The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks, and R.J. Bell's dream preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. Eagles or Packers, Titans or Falcons, Patriots or Bills, no matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with top-notch analysis for the best NFL picks around. Download R.J. Bell's dream preview every week on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Hey guys, Yahoo has officially released their daily fantasy football contest. They have a $1 million contest with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. It's a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. And Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are plenty of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started right now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. On the 4th of July, 1806, we set sail from this week over of Corp. We were sailing away with a cargo of bricks from the Grand City Hall in New York. T'was a wonderful craft, she was rigged for an aft. And oh, how the wild winds blowed her. She sent several blasts. She had 27 masts. And they called her the Irish Rover. Some of the real words. We had one million bags of the best Sligo rice. We had two million barrels of stones. We had three million <laughs> sides of old blind horses' hides. We had four million barrels of bones. We had five million hogs. Six million dogs, seven million barrels of porter. We had eight million bales of old nanny goat's tails in the hold of the Irish Rover. And I'm out. <laughs> that was that's the song. That's the song. That's the first verse and chorus of the Irish Rover. When was that written? I don't know. A long time ago. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. <laughs> Steve Palazzolo here with the uh, dulcet tones of Sam. Monson. If that doesn't get us an elite sale then I'm going to be upset. Can you explain to the people why you're singing Irish to us? Some guy said that if we abandon the initial intro hold music and replace it with me singing Irish folk music, they would buy PFF Elite. So I, I'm, not, I'm not above that. If this truly is our most viewed and most listened to podcast, we, 
it turns out every week. It turns out that the music coming into our ears right there was a little bit low to the point where I'm pretty sure we deviated quite a bit from the uh, the, the the what the, you were off the key. rhythm. No, 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 the rhythm. Like we weren't even in time with the music. For what do you mean we? Well, you were supposed to be my. You were supposed to be my rhythm section. Uh, give, you know, You've got a loud clap. I do have a... Right. Yeah, I'll give I, you a I little needed, bit of love for I it. I needed my rhythm section, and you weren't there. You abandoned me in, in my time of need. Oh, that was amazing. Okay, let me pull up the live feed and just see how the people... They've already been talking responding. about it for... Like, before we even started. So, due to that, you too can get your PFF Elite, and, you know, that would be like your special thanks to Sam yes. for, uh, for breaking out the singing. Yes. We should have had our special promo. That wasn't bad. You, you're like you, you're bringing a lot of energy to the to the podcast today too. I'm like you're saying, I'm, I'm not above debasing myself by singing songs to generate sales. I am. If we need to do that, well, I appreciate what you're doing for the company. So that was uh, okay. Buckeye says, I can't believe he did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to get Sam's first album. Maybe we could throw that into the PFF store. Wait till you get to the uh, the end of the show. We got some. We got a surprise then. For who? Everybody. You. The, the people. Everyone. The only people that know about it is me and Tyler. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that was uh, anything else? You got no, that? no. That's our intro. That's, That's the beginning intro. of the show. By the way, this is your week four NFL preview show. Yeah. That's what we're really here for. If, if you couldn't tell from the intro music. I know. I, that, that set the tone for the people. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'm impressed. I thought you did a good job. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It was pretty bad. That was a good job. Okay. I had really low expectations. Yeah. So, okay. good work by you. All right. We're going to preview... Week four, and uh, we'll go game by game and touch on a little bit of everything. Okay. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Again, if you guys are listening on Friday, it already happened. Uh, you and I discussed off camera. Should we just nix the predictions? It's just not, just not feeling We it. appear to have lost our touch this year. Like last year, we had this incredible run of predicting the future. This year, it's, it's not working so well. And we only did it because we didn't want people on Friday to be listening to pregame analysis of, say, Eagles-Packers when they already saw the game. Right, particularly when it was wrong. Yeah. You know? So, hey, this guy is going to be a key to the game, does nothing. Right? right. That's not a good look. Well, I mean, if you say Aaron Rodgers and Carson, it's going to come down to Rodgers and Wentz. You're probably going to nail <laughs> right. it. Right. Um, is there, what do you want to do? What do you want to do here? Well, let's just, so let's just quickly do what we do for the Monday night game, right? Let's quickly analyze it, hit on it, give yep. our take, and then out, then bail. All right, go. Eagles or Packers? Okay. Um, This is – so it's turned into like – I don't want to say it's a must-win game because it's pretty early for that. But it's a a kind of important game for the Eagles because they've dropped those two games, literally and figuratively. Um, So they kind of – I still think that they're going to get a wild-card spot by the end of the season and be a team that people really need to pay attention to in the playoffs because they'll be better than their record. But if they drop another game, they go one and three – like that's starting to get a pretty deep hole now to, to you know charge for a wild card. I like the the test for the Packers defense. Uh, they faced the Bears in Week One, and Trubisky was not great. Yeah, the Vikings in Week Two. It, to be fair, it's the one game where the Vikings offense looked the worst by far. Cousins was a disaster. So how much is that Cousins? How much of that is the Green Bay defense? And then last week they played Denver. So biggest challenge right now, I'd say for the for the Green Bay defense and seeing how they handle it. Yeah, I agree. What did we have for predictions here? Uh, we all went Green Bay. We all went Green Bay. Yeah, there's a lot of unanimous picks this week. There were. We're going to look bad on a couple of these. 
Yeah, but remember, unanimous pick does not mean we are all 100% confident. It just means we all happen to we come just all happen to that, go that side, way. even if it was only 51-49. All right, so that's your Eagles and Packers pregame analysis. If you guys already watched the game, just hopefully you skipped over that part. Let's get into the biggest games this weekend, and there are some good ones, starting with the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if anybody expected this to be a 3-0 versus 3-0 matchup, <laughs> but that's what happened last year in the AFC East. Believe it or not, the Dolphins were 3-0 last year. Wow. Went into New England and you know, got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo, I think, has a much better shot in this one. We've said for a few weeks or a couple of years now, that defense, from a coverage standpoint, with the way they work schematically, they do a really nice job, particularly against New England. They've given the Patriots as much trouble uh, as any team. And it's in Buffalo. And you got, you know, playmaker Josh Allen at quarterback. And they have bulletin board material. Buffalo does? Yeah, yeah. Because Bill Belichick called Josh Allen just a running back. He did not say that. That's what he said, Steve. It's on the bulletin board. Just finish the quote. It's on the bulletin board. Just a running back. He's like a running back. Whatever. I'm just saying. And I think there was more to it. Bulletin board material. He's like a running back in that you probably have to account for him, and he's tough to tackle, and he's a good runner. Yeah. Pretty sure that's what they were yeah. trying I, to He say. wasn't wrong. Like His quote was fine. He gave him credit for his athletic threat. He said he's dangerous because of that. You know, it was fine. It's not a problem. But I can imagine them trying to use it like that. Um, the Bills would th- never be a bulletin board material type of team. No? Mm-mm. Okay. It becomes a really interesting matchup, though, because Josh Allen is dangerous. He does a lot of things well. And this New England defense is setting like is on like record-setting pace in terms of some of the numbers they've allowed and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, that's, that's the most fascinating thing to me. And I'm also kind of curious that is that the kind of mind games thing where your game plan goes, oh, well, just a running back, is he? And then, like, 15 straight passes to open the game. You know what I mean? Well, like they did in week one. Right. Just Which, if anything, it. falls right into the Patriots' hands as exactly what they want to happen. Like, is the whole thing set up just to create, make them do that? Uh, last year, Josh Allen did not play in their first matchup, the one in Buffalo. They did play in New England. And at the time, Allen was starting to emerge. And, he, you know, he was that type of guy who might not play the cleanest start to finish game. But because of what he could do with his legs and his ability to drive the ball down the field, you're like, all right, there's some chunk plays. There are some big plays in there. And then against New England, he goes 20 for 41 with two picks, a couple other turnover worthy plays in there because New England just tightens the windows, uh, you know, because of their tight man coverage. So this is a challenge for Allen, who has been a much, I'd say, a much more efficient passer. I know you can't take away. Um, the people are loving this, by the way. <laughs> the people are are loving your singing. Um, but you can't take away uh, the turnover-worthy plays that Allen has had. But outside of those, which you know, some of them have been pretty bad, he's done a pretty good job of throwing the ball accurately at the short, intermediate, uh, short level. Um, I'm sorry, short and intermediate level. He's been one of our highest graded intermediate throwers, but not so much down the field. Um, And that's against, you know, what we kind of expected from Josh Allen. But this will be the biggest challenge that they have, obviously, passing the ball for the Bills. I mean, the Patriots defense is legitimately scary for the first time in a long time that it's it's a really, really good good unit. Um, And I I genuinely think there might be something to this idea of, you know, let's let's drop a quote that emphasizes running skills. So they come out passing the living crap out of the ball right into our coverage unit that's really good. Um, You're giving him way too much credit. I wouldn't give that credit to any other coach in the NFL, but I think Bill Belichick is smart enough to pull that off. Uh, By the way, did people see our fancy new uh, background? 
our podcast backer? Did you see our I'm fancy sure that, podcast backer? I mean, if they're listening, if they're listening on iTunes, well, if they're listening, like they that, probably they haven't. No. no, but if you're YouTube watching, you, we got a fancy new show background. That's pretty nice. Brought to you by uh, our our man out there, Anthony Trash. Good job, Trash. That's good. Yeah, um, that was all. Just a little, that's it. Little sidebar. Uh, Tom Brady last year against Buffalo. Uh, he had uh, in week eight a grade of sixty five point nine. And in week 16, a grade of 63.1. So those were among his six, five or six worst grades of the season last year, both against the Buffalo Bills. What does Buffalo do defensively? I think Belichick mentioned it in his press conference this week. They don't do a whole lot as far as um, the way they align. It's They just align in similar ways, similar fronts, and then they play some zone, play some man, and blitz off it just a little bit. So they do a like my old 246 proposal. <laughs> to the Cincinnati Bengals when yes. I was playing defensive coordinator. Uh-huh. They do a lot of that, which is here's the same look, but this time we're going to play it one way. Next time we're going to play it a different way, and they just do a good job of keeping offenses off balance from a coverage standpoint. Um, this was the game also last year where New England, because they weren't passing the ball very well, they did turn to their running game, and I think Buffalo is one of those teams over these last couple of years that has said, We'd rather stop the pass than the run. And yeah. they get run over a little bit, in part because of their personnel, and in part because I think they're playing some softer shells in the secondary so that they could take the pass away first. So I think if you look at Buffalo at a macro level since Sean McDermott has taken over, they've done a really nice job of maybe taking advantage of, you know, uh, advantages on the margins to just get the most out of what they've had on the field. They are also down Harrison Phillips now towards ACL. And Speaking of run stoppers. Right. That's a pretty significant blow to them because he is <clears throat> their best run stuffing defensive lineman. Um, but he was also, he wasn't a bad pass rusher either. So he was good. He was becoming a very good defensive lineman for them alongside Ed Oliver. Um, that's a, that's a pretty big blow to that line. Yeah. Oliver had a really nice start week one. He's been, you know, pretty good over these last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, do you think is it too early for Buffalo to compete with New England? Is it is their three and O start fool's gold, or is it this perfect storm of yeah they've got a coverage unit that can keep the passing uh, uh, New England's passing attack in check, and they're at home and they can actually have a shot at the upset here? Yeah, I don't. I I think I wouldn't go as far as to think they have a really good shot at the upset, but I don't think this is a bad Buffalo team. I think this is a reasonable. Um, unit overall, and really it's down to Josh Allen. If he plays well, this team can. In fact, he doesn't even need to play well. If he makes enough big plays in the game, um, this team can definitely beat a lot of teams in the NFL. I just don't know if it's good enough to beat New England. Yeah, and that's what he's done pretty much this year. Overall, great. Hasn't been great because of all those turnover-worthy plays that he's had, bad fumbles, bad interceptions, uh, but he's found a way to make some plays with his legs, um, and in the short passing game has been pretty good. So I mentioned it in my QB rankings column, he's been uh, this week one of the best at the intermediate level. That's 10 to 19 yards, one of the worst down the field. So if he can turn it around, hit a few of those deep passes, they got a shot. Yeah. I think New England's defense, though, might be too much for them to overcome. Right. And we'll see if Brady and the passing attack can solve this uh, this Buffalo coverage unit because they've really struggled in relatively in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Are we all going New England here? Yeah. All right. What we got for the next game? I lost my. I Kansas lost my. Kansas City at Detroit. Yeah, Kansas City at Detroit. Mm-hmm. I tweeted this week: Patrick Mahomes playing in a dome, he might throw an eighty-yarder in the dome. Good to. 
I mean, when he was in Atlanta, that was that pass in preseason. That was, I think, the last time he was in a dome. And what did he chuck it, like 75 yards? Yeah. I mean, it was really like 70. They really could stretch the field in a ridiculous manner. I kind of want them to set up a play that's just designed to do that, just to see how far he can throw it. Like, don't even put the ball in the air until he's 40 yards downfield. They could. Um, so Mahomes this year, I know the stats are ridiculous. Yeah. We have him graded a little bit lower than first. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. And we kind of covered this at the end uh, in last week's show, right? It's Patrick Mahomes right now is unquestionably the most talented quarterback in the game. Yes. He and is, I think at the end, he'll be the highest graded. If, you know, he'll be top three highest is, graded by the end of the year. He is the new Aaron Rodgers in terms of being the, the greatest talent we've ever seen at the quarterback position. But he's... He's missing some. He's leaving meat on the bone, right? They're playing in this incredible level. They're putting up an insane amount of points, but he's missing throws. He's making a couple of bad throws. He's got room to be so much scarier. And if he does that, then we can all just pack up and go home. He's going to throw for like 6,500 yards and 70 touchdowns. But the point is, when you watch a game, he's missing throws that shouldn't be there. The other thing is that We've talked before about how that's the best offensive scheme in the NFL, right? Andy Reid's scheme. We have quantified that. So our guys have said Andy Reid, number one offensive play call. Andy Reid's scheme, which has been taken to Philadelphia with Doug Peterson, which has been taken to Chicago with Matt Nagy. That is the best system in football. He's got some of the best playmakers in football around him. These things aren't sort of reasons for him grading worse, but they're reasons that he won't necessarily earn it's not all him, right? He's right. playing fantastically, but the scheme is also scheming him some wide-open people. The players themselves are getting wide open and making some plays after the catch themselves. So, again, it's not all Mahomes. And then he's missing enough throws to keep his grade top five, you know, top or six is where yeah. we have him. Plus two, fu- like two fumbles and a negated interception. Right. So there's some, thing, there's some negatives in there Bad fumbles. that you won't necessarily see in the box score. And they are taking down some of the incredible plays, and we're only three games into the season, right? Right. The difference between first and sixth through three games is a couple of plays here and there. Literally a handful of plays. Right. So it, there's, I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to say. This guy is by far the most talented quarterback in football right now, but if you quantify every single play every single one of these quarterbacks has made, he's not quite number one. He's six. Yeah, and I think the, the point I always like to try to make, the only reason why you're expecting him to be higher is because you're starting with this baseline of oh look at his stats yes and his stats say many many yards Mm -hmm. so many touchdowns and no interceptions you're starting with that as a baseline that's your argument against it therefore he must be playing well and we're like all right we'll just alter a couple plays here and there we're running into this a lot with Trubisky as well which is I understand how your system works and I understand that the stats deviate from the grade but once they deviate to a certain amount I stop believing it Right. Like, well, either you believe that or not, right? If you believe the fact that the stats can deviate from the grades, the, the distance that they, they deviate should not be the thing. Should, there shouldn't be a threshold of, all right, now it's too far away from the stats, so I don't believe it now. I, I completely believe your principle, but once it crosses this line, it's imaginary. Because, you know, we've talked about all those plays. You can throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, a running back can make seven guys miss and score a touchdown, your passer rating is 158.3, and the pass you actually completed was something that you or I could do. Now, how much right. credit should the quarterback... The quarterback should literally get n- no credit from that beyond not missing a throw that you expect him to make, right? Yeah. And the same thing, you could throw the ball right to the linebacker. If, you could do it 10 times. If they all drop him, your passer rating is the same as an incomplete pass. There's no interception there. There's nothing dragging down your overall numbers. So it, like, these things can lie. 
They can lie in, in an individual play circumstance, and though it happens less likely, those can start to stack up and really start to skew things. So if you get you know, 25 plays and they all break one way, suddenly you're way apart from what actually happened. That was Aaron Rodgers' five-touchdown game. Right. Um, just to, I just want to, I don't want to stay on the point too long, but just to give a, a quick way that we do that, people criticize us when we do this, but I want to just explain it. If we took Mahomes' three turnover-worthy plays <laughs> and just th- threw them in as interceptions, okay. they're two fumbles and one negated interception right. that was still a bad decision, right? If we did that, he drops from first in passer rating to fourth. So we're literally talking about four plays. So the three, three plays, plays we're counting right, that puts we're in counting. fourth and we have in sixth. And then you'll say, well, why don't you count them for every player? We do. I'm telling you, we do right. count them for every player. They're factored in to the grades. Okay? So, yes, at the end of the year, Mahomes will most likely be graded but as a top three quarterback and he'll have the best stats. And that's a great example of how few plays we're talking about. Right? Yeah. So three plays drop them from first to fourth in, in pass rating, rating alone. And that's essentially what we're saying is that there is a handful of plays that are keeping him sixth right now instead of first. Now, if you think that that is completely beyond the realms of possibility through three games, then I can't help you. All right, so that's that's our... We're just trying to explain the, the grades to us. A lot of people have asked us. We don't understand the grades. A lot of people have been right. mean. They're very mean to us sometimes, Sam, and they say, you idiots, your grades are stupid. Remember how... Just trying to add some context here. So we were a little bit mean to Skip, Skip Bayless and Shannon uh, Sharp on the last show. Yeah. And apparently Shannon... Shannon was mean to our, our Patrick Mahomes grade just now on the, on the television. Just now? I mean, I mean was yeah, it within the last couple of hours. Yeah, well, maybe if you guys just want to send Shannon this clip, we'll, ha- we'll cut up this clip right. for YouTube. And Shannon, just listen to our explanation and understand what we're trying to do because help Mark us. Schlereth. Help us help you. Send it to Mark Schlereth. Mark, you need to understand what we're trying to do as well. Uh, Dan Orlovsky was asking some questions. All right, so my... My request to everybody, it's the same request we made to all 32 of our team clients, is instead of trashing, bashing, or questioning, questioning's fine, mm-hmm. just try to understand how to use PFF grades, what we're trying to quantify, and also understand the three games, as always, is a small sample size. But if you understand what we're trying to quantify, and it is your job to evaluate players and have opinions, you should probably understand how to use our stuff and apply it the right, right. way. Particularly if, this, like I say, there's so many of these people whose starting point is, I like what you do, I understand the concept, but this number I don't agree with. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, if, if the first two parts of that are true, then you should be asking questions about the third part, not just going, well, the third part's clearly bunk. And, and let me just explain. I know there are other people that, um, that used, use advanced analytics to evaluate quarterbacks, right? Some of them are just focused on, um, you know, Josh Hermsmeyer talks about completion percentage over expectation. I don't think that factors in drops. Okay, so especially in a small sample size like this, drops have a huge factor, especially Carson Wentz. Other people focus on EPA. So anything that's EPA driven, that's essentially still a team stat. Then if you take EPA and you split it into air yards like QBR tends to do, then, you know, even air yards, you've got jump balls. You have all these other things where fa- where the defense um, – you know, really is a factor there, and so is the receiver. And then QBR doesn't fact doesn't weigh dropped interceptions and in right. you know bad plays that aren't turnovers the same way that we do. So I think other measures are still skewed and they're still result oriented when we are probably the closest thing to process oriented in what actually happened to separate the quarterback from everyone else. All right. So as with every week, Patrick Mahomes is going to be compelling viewing because the guy is incredible. But I'm also kind of curious to see what the quarterback on the other side of the field does. 
Matthew Stafford kind of came off a game where he looked pretty good, made some pretty spectacular throws. What does he do this week? Because he has a tendency to be Dalton Coaster-esque in terms of highs and lows. Now yep. he's going up against the Chiefs. Where does he, how does he play? I'll give you that numerically. Oh, this year, he's okay. number two in positively graded throws so far, and he's number four or five, depending on the filter. I mean, he's in the top five in negatively graded throws. So Stafford, who had become a little bit more game manager-y the last couple of years, a little bit on the safer side as far as uh, throwing the ball down the field, it's old-school volatile Stafford, which I kind of like. I mean, again, if, we were, if I was running a team and Stafford's my guy, I would tap into the special a little bit more and have him take a few more chances and throw the ball down the field more. His average depth of target's way up. I think the learning point from all those quarterbacks is that you don't achieve anything by trying to take away the high variance. Like, you might as well right. embrace it and hope it breaks your way once. Well, I think what happens is coaches naturally are conservative. They tell you, don't turn the ball over. And then you could point, you point to Brady and Rodgers and Peyton and Breeze. You point to a lot of these guys through the years, and they don't have high interception totals. They do a good job of taking care of the ball. But the difference between them and the Alex Smiths of the world is they still make plays down the field. Like, Brady and Breeze and those guys aren't not turning the ball over just because they're conservative. I mean, they, they do it all right. really well. But if you have a guy that you know, might have a few turnovers in there, you might as well get some big plays out of it. That's where Stafford is. Yeah, I just think right there's now. an inherent – like there's the logic from these coaches is he's making all the great plays. He's doing everything right. If I can just eliminate the bad, he becomes amazing. Like, but you can't, you can't do that without taking away the good. You, you yeah. might as well just roll with the high variance and hope that the cards all swing your way for once. And just from a number standpoint, we, always, we keep saying that the, the bad is actually the most consistent thing for quarterbacks. It's really tough to coach the negatives out. The positives will fluctuate a little bit. And I think it's the positives are dependent on your supporting cast, your playmakers, but also some aggressiveness. Um, Stafford, from a, just an on-field playing standpoint, has done a really nice job this year of creating space in the pocket, of um, flipping those sidearm old-school Stafford throws when necessary. Had a zero blitz last week. He created some room, felt it, flipped it over the middle, hit a guy in stride. Like He's doing some really cool Stafford-y type stuff. Could see a shootout where he's got to go head-to-head in the dome. Oh, I'm here for that. Against the Chiefs. Um, I tweeted out the Lions are playing more man coverage, cover one or man coverage overall, than any other team in the NFL. That's your Belichick tree, Matt mm-hmm. Patricia, uh, doing it. So that's, you know... It's going to be a challenge trying to cover all those Chiefs receivers. How much does Matt Patricia steal from the Belichick game plans that even though they gave up over 30 every time they faced the two times they faced <laughs> Mahomes, they still shut him down for a half at a time, right. a quarter at a time. Like they made life more difficult for Mahomes. He had the most off rhythm throws against the Patriots, the most inaccurate throws against the Patriots. I know they still scored 40 and then they scored 31. But they made life a little bit more difficult for the like Chiefs that, offense. That phrase has become like a, a joke. You know, you right. can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. That is Mahomes. It might actually the, be, the Chiefs offense. It might actually be legitimately true for the Chiefs offense. You simply cannot stop that. You can only hope to contain it to a degree. That's it. Uh, Darius Slay has been a little banged up. Justin Coleman uh, playing really well in the slot for the Lions. So this should be a should be a great matchup. We I think we're all going Kansas City here. Yeah, but again, I. So this Detroit's two one 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 man. This week was strange. I, I there's a lot of games here that I think could break the other way, and I couldn't find one that I was comfortable in going with the underdog. Yeah, agreed. But I think there's I think there's like you know maybe three or four of these underdogs could come away winning this week, and I just I couldn't find one that I was comfortable enough going against everyone else with. Right. So we are going across the board, Kansas City. Yeah. 
but we're not disrespecting you Lions. There was no, a guy no in the disrespect. comments the other day. I forget his name. We will mention him on Monday oh, if the Lions win. Disrespecting. Well, he said, right I told you the Lions were going to win. Okay. He's going, I'm, I'm assuming he's a Lions fan and not just a prognosticator. Um, Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Yes. Sam, this is the game Ugh. that they brought Kirk Cousins in to win. Is it? I mean, so he's got no more of these. I mean, he's got to go to Detroit later. Who was it? Was it Mike Florio who was tweeting that, you know, the Vikings, if they can, if they can go for this, establish the run defense thing, they could have a special season. Like if that's what, if that's the tactic they embrace, they could be great. And I was like, alternatively, they'll lose to every single team with a good defense because then you have to turn to Kirk Cousins and that's when bad things happen. Um, so as somebody then pointed out to me, having said that this week, they play the Chicago Bears whose quarterback is Mitchell Trubisky. Ooh. Ah, good point. Now you have what should be two very good defenses. Um, the Vikings wanting to establish the run, but probably failing because the Bears' defensive line is really good. Um, and then it comes down to which, which quarterback do you trust more to be able to effectively pass against the top defense, Kirk Cousins or Mitchell Trubisky? And I don't trust either of them. Yeah, we currently have Kirk even rated above Trubisky. I th- they're both bad right now. Like, I think Cousins is more likely to be able to achieve that. But we've seen that any time the, the chips are down and they need him to do something, he stinks. Yeah. So I don't know how. Like, this is going to be terrible. I think Cousins in Chicago against that defense should that's, be ugly. That's going to, yeah. But then Trubisky's going to be playing a good defense. And yeah, Trubisky, I always, I always question Trubisky, particularly against the Blitz. Um, last which, year, they did a better job. Which the Vikings like to do and like to disguise. Right. And this year, Trubisky passed a rating of 66.7 against the Blitz and a, pa- and a PFF grade, more importantly, of 30.9. Yeah. Um, so no Blitz, it's 64. Against the Blitz, it's 30.9, averaging 4.3 yards per attempt and the vikings are starting to get players back that were important you know we talked before about how they're basically limited to this base defense because right. they'd lost all their nickel corners now they're coming back right mike hughes is coming back mackenzie alexander is on his way back so like now they're they're harder to be able to exploit because you can't just manufacture those cheap easy matchups in the slot anymore uh with um trubisky i know you know he showed signs of life in the washington game but then he goes signs of life but then he goes and throws that pick right to Josh Norman on the goal line Yeah, that, you know, the, the Redskins should have been absolutely done in that game. It actually gave them, you know, a little bit of hope to make a comeback. He has to cut down, forget just the missing throws because yeah, he's missed a, a high percentage of throws the last two years, but that, you know, late, that decision-making just putting right. the ball in, in harm's way. He did that a lot in the red zone last year and got away with it. Not as much so far. this And year. also again, like you can't overlook the short fields they were set up with. Like, oh, yeah. They kept turning the ball over and giving you the, you know, giving you the thing right in front of you. Like, you know, come well, on. His first two t- the first touchdown pass was completely wide open, coverage bust for like yes. a yard. The second one was a little bit more difficult. The third one was nice. One of the best throws of Trubisky's career, right. rolling out. And so that was nice. But again, the down to down consistency is just not there right now. Uh, Minnesota. I mean, if so, is this the game where Minnesota's offensive line getting beat up by our numbers comes back? To actually comes yeah with it. the with the Bears' defensive front. I, I mean, it could be. Look, the, it, that happened against the Packers, right? And I think the Bears' defensive front is every bit as good as Green Bay's. It, nothing happened against them. They were just able to dominate the Raiders. We talked about how 
most defenses of the NFL at the very bare minimum are able to play gap sound defense. There's a body in every gap, and that makes it inherently fairly tricky to run the ball. The Raiders were able to screw that up consistently. They didn't have bodies and gaps. The Vikings just ran all over them. Green Bay, their defensive front was winning pretty handily against the Vikings' offensive line. I imagine Chicago as well as well. The other threat in this game is that Khalil Mack, right? We talked before about the Minnesota's main problem on the offensive line is inside. Their tackles are okay, but okay and probably nothing more. Okay right. players and nothing more get abused by Khalil Mack. By elite players like right. Khalil, yeah. A guy as good as Khalil Mack, suddenly your okay players are become a problem because they're not good enough to deal with that. So now you have to worry about the interior who are just going to crush your interior and you have to worry about Khalil Mack coming around the edge and wrecking everything. That's that's not easy to scheme around. One other thing to note on the the Bears defense, our guy Ben Stockwell, director of analysis, he was, you know, cuz I don't think anybody in the world watches more football than him or no. other guys that we have at PFF. So much respect for all of our guys that just put so much work in, but he sent me he goes, watch these couple plays by Roquan Smith. Pointed him out to me. Roquan sitting there at middle linebacker, a little passive, letting, letting himself get blocked. He has not graded well this year, 48 He's, overall, and not great against the run or in coverage. Yeah, he, he mentioned something like that to me, and I said he looked, like, he looked like college Roquan for like the first drive of the season. Do you remember the first drive against Green Bay where he basically wrecked the drive yeah, on yeah, his own? Yeah, yeah, was great. Yep. That one drive, that was it. And then he went back to being NFL Roquan, which just hasn't been as impactful at all. Just something to look for because – the Vikings are going to try to run the ball, and if they can at least neutralize the defensive line, you know, Roquan feels like that perfect sideline-to-sideline guy to match a Dalvin Cook, but if he's going to sit there and wait and get blocked like he has been, there might be a few gaps there. The Vikings, if they want to win this game, one of two things needs to happen. One, Kirk Cousins needs to have a game where he says, okay, this is why you paid me the $84 million. Evidence in the past would suggest that's probably not going to happen. Two, Dalvin Cook needs to do like superhuman things and get yardage that shouldn't be there, which right. he's done consistently this season. But he needs to do that it's like tough to above and beyond. Yeah, and that's a again that's a pretty rough thing to ask for. Oops, that's a pretty rough thing to thing ask to for. ask for. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Um, not we'll pick on Kurt, uh, Case Keenum later, but there, when one of his picks was <laughs> hilarious, a guy was tweeting about it and he said, you know, so when you're playing cover three in the NFL you have to figure out how do you how do you stop the seam route and, yeah. and they have different rules they have different people who can stop it and there's there's li- there's three ways that you can stop a seam route when you're playing cover three you can have the cornerback do it you can have the underneath defender run with it or you can have the free safety overlap it and get over the top so Case Keenum threw the ball and literally all three of those options were covering it and he still threw it and yeah. turned you know haha ended up getting the uh Jumping back a couple of games, by the way, I wrote a piece this week about how Jair Alexander may be the next great cornerback in the NFL. And, and last night he got torched. I'm just guessing. Right, probably. Maybe. Yeah, that's actually a bad thing to bring Maybe. up right now. Let's hope that didn't happen. And we'll talk about it If Monday. you're listening to this. <laughs> but so far, like, we kind of, I already knew passively that he was playing really well and he's, you know, made some great plays. You see it in the highlights. But when you start digging into some of the plays he's made, they are crazy. Like, yeah. ridiculously good. People want to judge cornerbacks according to how well they play in man-to-man coverage right. or nothing else, right? But what's your list say? Like, how often are even the most man-heavy teams playing man coverage? I don't have it pulled up right now. It's like 60%. Oh, the right? most. I mean, it's, yeah, not even 60. Right. Yeah. So the most you're going to be playing man-to-man coverage is like 50 
50% of the snaps for most people, 60% if you're in one of those crazy man-heavy schemes, right? Everybody else is playing a good degree of zone coverage. And zone coverage is so much more complicated than you think it is because I described this arms race that goes on in NFL schemes where you know uh, a, a defense, one side will create something, right? So the other side will create things that defeat that thing. Right. Then the first side needs to come up with rules to adjust what they do to combat the thing that breaks what they want to do, right? Right. So think of like cover three right now. So Tampa 2 was the thing everybody ran. Then people figured out how to break Tampa 2. You adjusted, but eventually it becomes too much of a problem. Now what everybody runs is those cover one, cover three schemes, right? Or a lot of people. And the thing that really started messing with those was those deep crossing routes, those deep overs that basically run into free space behind the linebackers. And what do you do, right? Do you send the guy, the backside corner that's tracking that? Do you have him run with it? And he's never going to get there. Do you have the linebackers try and get into acres of space and close that window? Never going to happen. So the thing that cover three teams started doing is have the safety, the free safety, the guy in the middle, basically cut onto that and drive in front of it and try and cut it off, right? Problem with that is that guy leaves the middle of the field. So now the middle of the field is wide open. Right. So if you have a deep route coming from the other side of the field, that guy is one-on-one in open space. We need a whiteboard to draw it. I know. Um, So what you get now is teams ask the backside corner to try and replace the safety over the top, which is one of those things that works perfectly on the chalkboard. But when you ask a guy to do that real time when things uh, things are unfolding around him, like it just never happens. Yeah. You know, the guy's the guy, going to go from one side of the field essentially to replace the free safety. Yeah. I mean, you're running 40 yards sometimes to try to make a play on the ball. Well, not just that, but you, you mean, you, as soon as you read the fact that you're passing off your guy, you need to automatically immediately start gaining depth, right. which is, I think, the hardest thing to do because players just don't instinctively do that. And then you have to get to the other side of the field. So you never see a cornerback make that play. Jair Alexander... Almost made the play because he lost at the catch point, but he was there. Right. Like Kevin King from the other side was trailing by two yards. Jair was under the ball, and Stefan Diggs just beat him to it. But the point is, when you look at his tape, you're seeing a sophisticated understanding of all of the changes that need to be made in a way that I, I – some of the things he's doing I've never seen a cornerback do. Um, I showed you the play – where he took the ball away from Noah Fant. Oh, this flat. was yeah, great play. This was awesome. That was an amazing play. If you just look at this, the the strip, the fumble, right? He comes up, just goes straight for the ball, clamps onto it, rips it away from Noah Fant, and turns a third down com- uh, conversion into a turnover, all on his own, right? What I didn't realize until looking at the All Twenty Two tape is the madness that was unfolding before the snap, right? right. Green Bay's defense completely screwed up something, right? They were, they were misaligned. I think uh, Tremont Williams was on the wrong side of the field. It was like a, a snowball effect of things that were screwed up. And the safety on Jair Alexander's side realized something was screwed up. Nobody was covering one of the wide receivers at all, right? This, he comes up. He's like losing his mind, trying to call people, trying to yell to Jair. Jair basically puts a hand out, tells him to chill, get back in his deep half. I'll take care of it, right? So Jair, like, splits the two receivers that are on his side of the field, then kind of comes up and splits the two of them and Noah Fant. And they run vertically. Right. At one point, he's literally trying to split three different receivers and cover them all by himself, then comes up and takes the ball away from Fant. Like, that's that's ridiculous. That is an unbelievable understanding of what's happening. Um, The other thing about that, by the way, is that Joe Flacco, like, looked at that for 10 seconds, a guy literally not being covered on third and two, and didn't throw it. That seems like a problem. He's a little delayed in uh, 
his reads. Yeah. Anyway, so those are that's the Vikings Bears. Who are you going with? That's the Viking. That was J.R. Alexander. Go read the article, pff.com. We, we may have gone on a tangent, but Vikings Bears. In, we as in Sam. Look, you sang. You could do whatever you want. That's what I'm uh, saying. I'm taking the Bears in this one. Yeah, same. A couple guys are t- uh, Nathan and Bruce taking the Vikings. Yeah. So in this one. This is the game. The this Kirk is the Cousins. game why they paid Kirk Cousins. Lucky for him, this is the last game. Huh. Got to go to Detroit, too. Yeah. See if, if they keep their record up. Well, also, they have to you know win against good teams once. Sometime. This is the game. This Cousins. Yeah. All right, guys. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. They're number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, Sam. What does that mean, Steve? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's what it means. That's what it means. Okay. We've all been there. Sure. Right? Uh Uh-huh. It's all about the lawnmower 2.0, Sam. Yeah. It's safer. Massive upgrade over the 1.0. It's not, you know, it's not... You're just you're not going to be bleeding everywhere. No snags. It's not going to be issues. No safe, snags. Safe, safe manscaping. That's what we're all looking for. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. That's the lawnmower 2.0. It has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts, like well, that, you just said. That, that's 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 all we're looking for here, Steve. This feels like a big win. These are some of our our favorite people that uh, support the podcast. So yeah. be sure to check it out. You get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code PFF. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Promo codes PFF, manscaped.com. You also get, by the way, so if you get some of this stuff, they send this kind of like, it's like a newspaper, except all of the articles within it are like hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's a genuinely hysterical. It's a great part of what you get. It's worth buying just to get that newspaper at the end of it. It's actually more than just the lawnmower, too, because you get the the crop preserver. Yes. Anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Who hasn't needed that? I'm just saying, we can, we're just trying to relate to the audience here. Yeah. Everybody probably needs a lawnmower 2.0, probably needs the crop preserver, and they have a whole slew of other products. So I just suggest you use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscapes.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com. Just use the promo code PFF. All right, we got a few more games to get through, as in the rest of the schedule. Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans. What are you looking for? I want to see what Kyle Allen looks like in week two, because week one was really good. It's really good. To the point where I'm not confident that happens again. Yeah, I mean, look, he had a good week 17 last year uh, when he had to start for Cam. And then this week, I thought they did a really nice job of scheming a few easy throws for him early on. But you can't do that the whole – I mean, people say that. I mean, at some point, you got to sit back there and make some NFL plays. And he did that, right. which was fantastic. Even some of his misses, man, he had a corner out to Greg Olson, and he's rolling to his right, and he throws it, and it looks like a miss. And this is why, by the way, my, my quick tangent, I'm seeing other people tracking you know, off-target throws or missed throws and all that stuff. And I know the time and effort that we put into tracking that stuff and the intelligence that we try to put into it. I mean, talking Bruce Gradkowski, former NFL QB, and other guys who know quarterbacking and coverages and all this stuff. And there's only a handful of us who can make these final decisions on it out of everybody in the company. I know the time and effort we put into it. So I don't trust when ESPN puts it out, when other people, I just don't trust when they put these numbers out. Um, that's what I want to say. So trust PFF and our numbers because I, I believe in the time and effort that we put into these things. Kyle Allen throws a pass that looks like a miss. And he was essentially back-shouldering a corner route to Greg Olson, who just didn't – he's just 
getting old at this point and didn't right. have the athleticism to adjust to it. If he adjusted a little bit better, you would have been like another wow throw for Kyle Allen, who already threw four touchdowns and had uh, the, you know, the highest percentage of big-time throws in the NFL during that week. That's why he was the QB of the week last week. There is the, there's such a huge dynamic in terms of adjusting to football that are in the air that you need to appreciate when you're looking at things like accurate throw or not. Like, it's not as simple as that one was a yard away from him, therefore it's inaccurate. Like, there's a huge amount of adjustment that does go on and adjustment that needs to go on sometimes for throws to be complete or not, depending on where coverage is and all this kind of stuff. It's very hard to do, as you say. There's, there's, there's miscommunications. There's receivers falling down. There's receivers running the depth at 12 when they should be at 10. Um, there's all sorts of stuff in there. Even Daniel Jones had one that really bad dropped interception that he had. Watch the receiver. If the receiver doesn't give up on the route... It's kind of a bang-bang play. It's not a great play by right. Daniel Jones, but not nearly as bad as it looked. So there's a lot of nuance that goes into that stuff that we take very, very seriously in this. Um, but yeah, Kyle Allen was fantastic last week. I think we're starting. We're three weeks into it, so you start to, oh, you know, it's against the Cardinals. How much do we worry? You know, is it the Cardinals? Is it, He's going to Houston, so, you know, there'll be a, a challenge here. And Houston plays a lot of cover one, man coverage, too. So he's going to have to make a lot, you know, some more challenging throws, even though Houston secondary hasn't been great. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for, Texans secondary. I think they're going to be the story of their season. I think we've seen Deshaun Watson offensively find ways to overcome and, and score points there. So can can the Texans cover? He's another one of those guys a little bit like Mahomes who kind of looks like he should be grading higher because every, you kind of forget about every now and again there's a really bad decision slash throw in there. Right. And, you know, if if it doesn't cost them, you forget about it. Didn't count. Didn't yeah, right. Toss it out. And, oh, look at the incredible plays he's making. Like, yeah, it, that, mentally, you forget about it. And statistically, it's like last right. week, you had a passer rating of 130 or something Statistics like that. Statistics literally don't count it. He so. threw one of the worst plays of the week last week. He tried to throw a backwards, like a lateral, like a swing pass. He threw it backwards and into the dirt, Kirk Cousins style. Yeah. Yeah. That got, that was a turnover. And then he had a negated interception, negated by a penalty that had nothing to do with the pick at all. So neither one showed up on the stat sheet. Overall, though, Watson's playing really well. Yeah. Um, I'm taking Houston, as are you. Bruce is going Carolina, and so is Austin. Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens in NFC North. Is it a showdown? Sure. Well, yeah, two and one versus one and two. Um, I am curious to see what, if any, changes are getting made to this Cleveland Browns offense because we talked before, things are not well. Um, and I think it's not one. Th- it's not an easy fix because you can't just go, that's the problem, right there, fix it, right? A lot of different things are all going wrong at the same time, and none of them are going all the way wrong, just a little bit, just enough to compound and accumulate and start to mess up this offense, and more importantly, mess up the quarterback, which I think is the real problem here, is that all of the things that are going wrong are all influencing Baker Mayfield to play to his weaknesses or to magnify the things that were weaknesses in his game. And they're becoming bigger problems. This idea of bailing from clean pockets, of trying to make too many of these hero plays, rolling out to your right, all this kind of stuff, right? They Things need to start getting fixed piecemeal to help him save himself um, and not head down this bad pathway that we've been talking about him heading down. As far as matchups go and what I'm looking for, because that's what we're trying to do, each of us given something that we're looking for. Um, I love when you get two elite players in a division – who are going to match up twice a year. That's what we have now. Miles Garrett and Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. Browns, edge defender. Miles Garrett has 
a 90.4 pass rush grade. That's number three in the NFL. 17 pressures against Ronnie Stanley, our number two graded pass blocker, only one pressure so far this year. Yeah, that's a really nice matchup within a division to have. That's yeah. a great... You got stuff like Nuke versus Ramsey and Lattimore versus Julio, these things that we see twice a year. Yeah. This is one of those. Miles Garrett and Ronnie Stanley. The other thing that I think is interesting is what does Lamar Jackson do this week, right? He had, yeah. came down to earth pretty significantly last week. The Browns are missing some defensive backs. You know, they're, they're still down a lot of guys. Does that encourage the Ravens to try and pick them off through the air? Or do they go, uh-oh, things went bad after the two-week, after the two-week, I don't want to call it a mirage, but after the two-week high that Lamar was riding, suddenly he was back to being Lamar. Do we, do, we, do we attack that the way we would if it was any other quarterback? Or do we say, no, actually, we better dial this back? I think the Ravens, and you know, John Harbaugh went on his whole little analytical um, explanation the other day. The Ravens are doing some good things analytically to grab some edges. I also wonder if, you know, we're very, we have a structure as far as how we grade players. So we keep saying Lamar Jackson's not that accurate. He's, he's already, he's already missing. He's already in the bottom five as far as missing throws. As great as he was early on, he's already in the top five. But right. is he going to be that guy where it's not always pretty, mm-hmm. but because you're stealing a little bit on the margins and because there's a little bit of rushing here and there, there's a few more open throws like we talked about that they're just going to be a team that's going to be tough. To, to keep them to under 20 points or under 24 points. Um, so even if the Lamar grade isn't great for us, they always find a way to produce. Plus you have a guy like John Harbaugh, you know, learning. It seems like he's being very well educated on when to go for two and when to steal a couple extra uh, percentage points here and there. I think that's what's going to make the Ravens uh, potentially a really difficult team. Yep, I agree. Context. People want context to our grades. That's the context I'm trying to add. We're both taking the Ravens in this one, which means Cleveland could be in trouble falling to one and three. Yeah, that would kind of ruin that hype train good and proper, right? Washington Redskins at the New York Giants. What are you looking for here, Sam? Well, obviously, I am looking for Terry McLaurin going up against Janoris Jenkins. Of course. Obviously, right? By the way, rumors that Colt McCoy is going to start now? Is he, like, fixed? There's rumors that he would start over Haskins if Case Keenum can't go. Why? I don't know. What's the point? I don't know. Also, isn't he still like coming back from a dodgy leg or whatever? I think so. So Janoris Jenkins was victimized by uh, Mike Evans. Like, it was horrible. It was bullying. Yep. Every single play, Mike Evans was wide open. Janoris couldn't live with him at all. Like, he just, that was ugly. Terry McLaurin, as we talked about, is a number one wide receiver for the Redskins already, playing really well. Janoris has given up three touchdowns so far, all of which came against Mike Evans. He's given up a passer rating of 140 when targeted. Was this perfect? 158.3? Yes. Um, he's given up a completion percentage of 65 and 16.6 yards per reception. So all of those things lead me to suspect that Terry McLaurin will get significant joy out of Janoris Jenkins, even though, you know, savvy veteran corner versus rookie wide receiver would usually seem to be a mismatch in the other direction. Yeah, that should be a good matchup. But Um, that does rely on having a quarterback that isn't just throwing the ball to defenders all day. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, We did mention Case Keenum's regression. It came hard on Monday night. Many, many turnover-worthy plays. Many, many. No longer top 10 in ESPN's QBR because the interception luck caught up to him. Yes. Or bad luck. Which, if you're listening to this show, and you are, otherwise you're not hearing this, uh, we predicted that. We did. Mm-hmm. At least we got some. We were nailing some predictions, just not the right ones. Just not the one we want to nail, which is the future telling yeah. one. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's tough to do. Uh, Daniel Jones, part two, obviously. Want to see how he does. Sure. I, I wrote a whole article on PFF.com. I hate 
I hate being the wet blanket to optimism. <laughs> like, I don't want to take any optimism away from Giants fans. So I'm not even going to get into it a whole lot. There are some things that Daniel Jones needs to clean up. Overall, there are many positives to be excited about. I think this year we've been pretty good at not using the first few weeks to be like, told you, this is what was going to happen. It's all anybody's interested in, right? Like even the Giants Twitter account was like, "Ah, see, everyone with your bad draft takes, delete, delete. Like it's one game. It is. Okay, the one game he played really well and he looked good in preseason. He is already playing better than I thought he would, right? Yeah, but, but you didn't draft him for one game. We just saw two weeks of Lamar looking like Superman and then playing badly the next week. Through two weeks last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick looked like Joe Montana, and nobody was saying that was going to continue. It was like... Joe Montana never played as well as Ryan Fitzpatrick okay, did in those playing two as weeks. Well, whoever. <laughs> playing as well as John Elway, peak John Elway, right? And... Nobody thought that was going to continue. It was like, when, is the, when are the wheels falling off this wagon? Because it's going to be spectacular and yeah. it's going to happen soon, right? I'm not saying that's going to happen to Daniel Jones. What I'm saying is you don't know. Sure, he's looked great so far. But maybe, maybe he just caught a good run, right? Maybe the, guy's, maybe the guy's having a good run of confidence. You know, he, uh, he's it's having no a lucky fun run. if you don't. Look, I, already just took, saying. I took my Dalvin Cook victory lap already. Be encouraged. <laughs> be encouraged. But it is way too soon to be like, told you so. You guys suck. He's amazing. I'm excited for more Daniel Jones data points coming out this weekend against Washington. First home start. Gardner Minshew has probably played as well, if not better, than Daniel Jones so far. And is anybody saying, like, idiots, this guy's future all pro? No, they're not. Right, because he was taken in the sixth round, and we assume that still holds true until we see otherwise, right? Daniel Jones was taken six overall. Therefore, we're now assuming the Giants were right even though it's one game. So all I'm saying is, let's wait and see. We can develop our analysis as things change. Right now, we have a lot of data in college that says Daniel Jones was not great, right? Regardless of the situation, not a great situation. All that's still true, but he was not great. We have one game and some preseason that says otherwise at the NFL level. And I have a lot of people saying, do you still believe Daniel Jones is not a franchise quarterback? And let, Let me explain This is how I would explain our round grades when it comes to quarterbacks. It's all about range of outcomes. Even Gardner Minshew, sixth round chances. Yeah, exactly. So Gardner Minshew, technically, even if we put, even if you put a fourth round grade on him, has a chance to become the next Tom Brady or the next you know franchise quarterback. There's a chance. We just assumed that the chance is lower. So even Daniel Jones, calling him a day two prospect and making many comparisons to a Nick Foles type. I still don't think that that's wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong in there. There's a percentage chance that he's going to have a lot of very good games. I still think there's a good chance he's going to have some some not so good games yeah. in there. So you know he's got a couple. He's already had three fumbles in a game and five snaps. I mean there there are things he needs to clean up. So um, I would refrain from victory laps at this point. And the other one that's coming up a lot is Baker. Right? It's like ah oh, Baker's playing like crap. You guys blew it. Like okay, sure we have. One NFL season where he was playing well and three college seasons where he was playing spectacularly and three games. And the college in the college data does matter. Right. And three games where he's been playing, you know, not as well as you would like. Right. Which is the more important data set? The thing that happened this week or the thing that's 12 times the data? Like you can't just stop using three weeks of data to say I therefore prove something else. That's all I'm saying. Stop it. Stop it right now. It's what we live in right now, though. Got to have hot takes, man. 
Your takes aren't hot enough. I'm just, I'm just Daniel saying. Daniel Jones is going to win four Super Bowls. I'm just saying stop doing that. It's three games. We haven't seen anything yet. We're all taking the Giants. Yes. Across the board. We all believe. Look at that. We believe in Daniel Jones and the Giants. Yeah, that being said, we believe in Daniel Jones. We do. Los Angeles Chargers at the Miami Dolphins. What are you looking for, Sam? Uh, Melvin Gordon's back. So what does that divide? I know it doesn't matter in terms of winning games and all that kind of stuff, but I'm curious to see what they do with that because, if anything, the first three weeks have shown that the Chargers don't really need Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler's look great. They've got the players that have been able to take those carries and do well with them. So do you give Melvin Gordon like 100% workload again right off the bat? Does he now split the workload with Austin Eckler more evenly? What does that look like? I'm curious. I hope they give him a high workload because of my uh, fantasy team in Dynasty. Wow. My Dynasty League. Wow. What do you think of that? I think I don't care about that. Yeah. People love when you just talk about your fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in that as well. I think you're right on as far as Gordon and his value while gone. I really want to see this Chargers O-line that's been not good, as expected. Seventh worst pass blocking grade. Going up against the Dolphins, who have the third worst pass rushing grade. Something's got to give here, Sam. Wow. By the way, Gordon clearly realizes that as well, hence coming back. You know what I mean? Like, the oh, holdout hasn't Dolphins. gone well if he's been yeah. like, I got to come back early. Quick, because, get back to the Dolphins game. Right. Um, we're all expecting the Chargers to win this one. You're right. Actually, that's an extremely well-timed bit of bit of decision making by the presumably the agent yeah like, i'll take all those second half carries thanks melvin the whole that is not going well having said that this week you play the dolphins you come back rush for 200 because you're playing miami and suddenly we have leverage again there you go even though you know it was miami causing that not you oakland raiders at the indianapolis colts sam Ugh. what you looking for the raiders were depressing last week like they were so bad um now they're on the road to the colts who are pretty good. The Raiders, by the way, are embarking on some like Magellan-like voyage over the next few weeks. Oh, they're everywhere. Where they travel like 18,000 miles. I think they had it on the thing, right? On the TV. It was like plotting out their journey before they get home again. It was like 18,000 miles, and the world circumference is like 24,000 miles. So they really are they're Magellan. basically traveling around the world before they come back home, starting with the Colts, who are a pretty good team. And they just lost to a team that may not be even as good as that. I This could be ugly, is all I'm saying. Yeah, Raiders have the second worst coverage grade in the NFL right now, behind only the Giants, or ahead of only the Giants. Um, the Raiders also, so in this game in general, Jacoby Brissett has been a little inflated statistically uh, due to you know where our grade is and where his passer rating and everything is. And then uh, you know the Raiders with Derek Carr, he's been in that, conservative game manager type role we essentially have two guys two quarterbacks who have profiled as limiting turnover worthy plays and not doing great on the big time throw department I'm being fact checked live on air um is that ben? our director of analysis ben stockwell is telling me that gordon is not actually playing this week he's back with the team but not expected to play even though i saw articles saying he would all right let's just redo that section so melvin gordon i'm not looking forward to seeing melvin gordon this week. we don't care about melvin gordon this because week. he's not expected to play austin eckler's got so that's good so i won't put him it's going to hurt my fantasy team because mm. I don't have Which people still don't care about. I'm still undefeated, though, even without him. Again, people still don't care about that. I mean, think about that. No, no Melvin Gordon. I'm still undefeated. The Chargers are still producing offensively. I mean, they're against the Dolphins, so it won't matter either way. But we're all expecting the Chargers to win. Now we're interested in seeing Austin Eckler going up against the Miami defense where he will rush for 200. And those linebackers probably can't. Melvin Gordon. Him. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway. Go. That was smooth. Yeah. Well done. Uh, Raiders. So. A QB battle of Brissett and Carr 
Yeah. Both guys on the conservative end. I mean, I need Derek Carr to start unleashing some passes down the field because he could throw the ball down the field. Like, just start start chucking it up. It's not going to happen. Start chucking it up. Carr was excellent in week one, and he's just kind of settled in as as pretty good these last couple weeks. Yeah. Just been, yeah. Yeah. The last couple. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he's had some bad interception luck, though. I, yeah, so far. I just I, the Raiders have been playing pretty badly to me, and this game seems like one. If if Jacoby Brissett can manage to just not make bad things happen, I think the Colts could win this pretty handily. Yeah, we're all taking the Colts here. Let's go to the Titans at the Falcons. What you looking for? How long do you give Marcus Mariota before you bench him for Ryan Tannehill? I'm not saying that Tannehill is better. I'm saying that at some point Mariota plays himself onto the sideline. And it seems like he throws a good pass the play before you're about to do that. Yeah, that's what you said Monday. Right. You're not wrong. So, like, at some point you just get sick of it and say, Marcus, sit down. I'm, I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. Come back to me when you're willing to put a game together that doesn't make me want to shoot myself. Yikes. Until then, it's Ryan's team. Um, I think the difference in Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota is small. Um, I think their weaknesses are similar. The yeah. whole we talked about on Monday, they hold the ball too long, take too many sacks. They're going to make the O-line look worse than they are. And I could see the move being made if they need a spark. This is another, this is another explain the grade segment, by the way, because we graded the Titans' offensive line as being okay. Um, but they took a whole bunch of sacks. Marcus Mariota is getting sacked every two seconds. He's a big part of the reason he gets sacked. Yeah, so their pass blocking grade is 72.9. I tweeted about this the other day as well. Again, to you know, we got a lot of new listeners here, and I think they need to, to understand how we're doing this. Especially on the offensive line, we're essentially grading how quickly did you lose the block, so to speak. So you lose a block, it's in 2.2 seconds. Y- your job, your play is over, essentially, if you're the guard, right? You lost it, you get your really bad negative grade, the defender gets by you, and then we figure out what is the defender going to do now that he's won the block. Is it going to become a sack? Is it going to become a QB hit because the quarterback gets rid of it and then gets knocked down? Or is it just a hurry and the quarterback throws it away or he moves off his spot, whatever it is? The guard's grade won't change, right? As soon as he loses the block, boom, minus one. Now, is it a sack? Is it a hit? Is it a hurry? If the quarterback is holding the ball too long or the coverage is good, it becomes a sack. If the quarterback sees it and just barely gets the throw off and it's knocked away, okay, it's a hit. Or the quarterback steps up, breaks out of the uh, the sack and makes a throw, whatever he does, okay, then it's a hurry. Again, the guard's grade doesn't change. What's happening right now with Mariota is 40% of those pressures have become sacks. Yeah. When the league average on that is about 20% and the best guys are at about 10%. So it's one of those things where if you're just looking at sack totals, the quarterback's making the offensive line look worse. If you're looking at from a PFF standpoint, we don't care if we're evaluating the offensive line, if the difference is a sack or a hit, because there are other things at play. Right. There are a lot of, there, almost every facet you look at, it's very difficult to isolate just to that player. There are other things happening that impact it. And people use that a lot of the time as a criticism of PFF grades. You can't grade this guy because these other things impact how he's playing, which are true. But that doesn't mean you can't account for them, right? Yeah, right. So you can grade an offensive tackle knowing that the quarterback impacts his job by understanding what the quarterback is doing. Right. You don't just say, well, the quarterback impacts the tackle. Therefore, what's the point in any of this? 
Let's just let's just look at him and see if he's good. Mariota's holding it ridiculous, holding it too long. There are other plays where there's just bad pocket integrity by the quarterback. He drops too too deep, and the old linemen lose their block. Or you know, with, in Mariota's case, it's not so much a holding the ball uh, all the time standpoint. It's also he's kind of oblivious when he steps up. When you see the best quarterbacks, right. they step up into holes in the pocket. He steps into a guy that's being blocked, who comes off his block and sacks him what we call cleanup sack. So um, that's where Mariota is right now. He's making the O-line look worse. And that's why you guys listen to PFF, because we're giving you the real story behind what's happening here. Um, I'm looking for Matt Ryan to turn a corner. Oh, yeah? Because he has more turnover-worthy plays now, this season, than he did in all of 2017. The whole season, he had six in 2017. This year, he has seven. And I think he's just... um, He looked looked pretty good last week, and I think he's going to start... Going on a run here. Okay. I like, uh, I hope I like Atlanta here. <laughs> I like Atlanta here. I like Atlanta every week and they let me down. Why do All they right. let me down so much? Because I don't know. That's kind of what they do. You're taking Atlanta too. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, man. Yeah. So I would imagine this will be a bounce back game for the Seahawks because they tend to do that, you know, when they lose a game that they shouldn't have and they get uncharacteristically, you know, embarrassed. They tend to come back with a vengeance the next week. Um, the Cardinals off the Cardinals offense generally has been a little bit disappointing to me. Um, it's definitely doing, I don't want to say unique things, but it's definitely doing unusual things, but it seems like half a job. They're going, they're going through the air raid playbook. You know, they're going three, they're going four and five wide. Right. But it's sort of like going through it. It's like week two of the install. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're implement. This is the system we're going to be implementing, but we've only got halfway through the install of this offense, right? The next, the next two weeks are where we really get to see it make a difference. The first two weeks, we're just changing what we're doing, and we're still doing things badly. Um, when we get to the next two weeks, that's when we add the special stuff that really make this offense go. But right now, all you're looking at is a bad offense um, aligned in a different formation. Like it's a bad offense doing things differently from other bad offenses, but they're still bad. Like it's not actually, it's not actually dramatically improving the things around it, which is what an offensive system is supposed to do. Yeah, I would say I, I don't mind your um, install kind of you know example because it, it does feel like they're just running a collection of air raid ish type plays, right? But not basic concepts. But a lot of what we've been complimenting Kellen Moore for and Sean McVay through the years and these other good Andy Reid especially is some of the eye candy, the creative motions. The so the Patriots do this really well. You don't when you have a good playbook. You don't have thousands of plays. You have a handful of plays that you get into different ways. And one week you motion a guy out. One week you motion him in. But you get to that final formation, then you run the play, and it, it adds enough eye candy to the defense that. They can't recognize it, and then it creates open receivers. We're not seeing that, I don't think, as much from Arizona. What we have right here is somebody has taken a pig, put lipstick on it, and and a dress. It's still a pig, right? You haven't fixed the fundamental problem, which is that it's a pig. Now, no no amount of tarting this thing up is going to change the fact that right now it's a pig. And the offensive line in particular is still a huge problem. It's not good. Uh, Jordan Mills at right tackle was just getting victimized last week. Um, absolutely embarrassed. Like some of the plays were absurd. It's like, oh, look how well, look at this pass rushing snap. And I did the guy, look what he did. He almost just fell over face first. Like, you know, the, the, so the offensive line is bad. Kyler Murray isn't being helped out in terms of the things around him opening players up. 
they're, they're out, the wide receivers are, again, Larry Fitzgerald and friends. Um, they've got like an undrafted free agent in 2018 taking snaps above Andy Isabella, who has one offensive snap so far this season. Like, so the personnel's not coming together the way we expected. And personnel's the not creativity good. Not the good. offensive system isn't actually scheming anything open. Kyler Murray is a young rookie who you know is going to have some growing pains, and the offensive line is bad. So just, this, is, this is a pig with lipstick on it. Just to back up what I was saying about uh, sh- shifts or motion, using either of those as the criteria, Arizona's number 31 in the NFL at using a shift or a motion on any given play 27% of the time. Ironically, right below Cleveland, a team that we also said is maybe struggling with some of their uh, creativity on the offensive side of the ball. And just so that's 27% of the time. The league leader is San Francisco, who's done a great job of creating open throws and play action and everything. They're at 74%, three times as much almost as Arizona. New England's up there at 73%. So. The, Something I mean, to look at. The there. Kellen Moore thing is like the best. Their fourth, sixty-four percent case study for anybody right now looking at offense. Right? If you're, if you're not a good offense right now, and you're like, how do we get better? How do we get better now? You just need to look. What are the, the who are the top five offenses in the NFL? What are they all doing? And they're all doing the same things. It's play action. It's motion. It's there's like three or four things that these guys are all at the top end of the scale of. Yep. That isn't coincidence. Maybe try and integrate some of that stuff into your. Into your pig with lipstick. Yikes. All right, that's what we're looking for. We're all taking Seattle here? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, we're all taking Seattle here. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Los Angeles Rams. What you looking for here, Sam? Is Ndamukong Sue done? Um, he has Ouch. not been playing well this year at all, which is interesting because he's played more than any other defensive lineman. On we the already Bucks. established he's a playoff guy. Sort of. Um, but what's interesting is now he's playing the Rams, who said sayonara to him in the offseason. Right. Is this a revenge game for Sue where he shows up and shows, no, you know what, I still got it. He's a playoff slash revenge guy? Right. I'm still worth paying money and having on the field to make an impact, or is he actually just done and the Rams got rid of him at the right time? 58.2 grade. I thought we, I think we agreed that he was going to start getting into, you know, just one-year contract type of territory. Sure, but still playing well. Yeah. Yeah, three pressures on 120. No kind of pass rush. I mean, this isn't even if you're like a you know playoff Sue. The idea of playoff Sue is you were okay until you hit the playoffs. Then you went on a run. Like now he's bad. Yeah, I want to see. Um, I want to see Wade Phillips against Jameis Winston. Okay. Rams playing a lot more zone coverage. You got Eric Weddle back there. You know, pretty smart player. He's been flying around making plays. You know, is this one of those games where Eric Weddle uses his... He's got football smarts. He doesn't remember his passwords all the time, Weddle. No. But um, football smarts against Jameis Winston, who might uh, fire some turnover-worthy plays his way. Might. Is probably going to mm-hmm. throw some opportunities Eric Weddle his way, or anybody's way, on the Rams. And our guy Corey Littleton just tearing it up. I was watching the game with my dad on Sunday night. Oh yeah, against the Rams, and I was—I made the point. I was like, Corey Little makes a play. I go, Oh, Dad, this guy Littleton's been—he's been playing great this year. Really having a good year. And Chris is saying the same exact thing on the broadcast as me. And my dad's looking at me like, Oh, you know? I'm like, No, no, no. We're kind of working off the same information here. Yeah, you could be on TV. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's—that uh, wasn't the point. Oh, okay. Just that uh, PFFs. 
whether it's Chris or me, we're pointing towards Corey Littleton's doing some really nice stuff. It might shock you that Jameis Winston's number two in the NFL in turnover-worthy play percentage. It, it wouldn't. and No, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all, in fact. And he's only like seventh or eighth in uh, positives. Hmm. So I think that matchup's a good one. Wade Phillips against uh, Jameis Winston in that passing offense with Bruce Arians. We're all taking the Rams? Yeah. The Rams have kind of, because it hasn't been as, as flashy offensively, they're just kind of sneaking to 3-0 and so far. What you doing over there? I'm trying to zoom, but it's not zooming as far as I need it to because yeah. the next game is the Jacksonville Jaguars. At the Denver Broncos. That's yes. what we're talking about. Right. You know what that means? Gardner time. That means Minshew mania. Are you going to show this I'm going to show. I'm going to try and show the T-shirt we have dialed up here. Just walk up to the camera. You want me to? I, I'm, like, tied into things here. This is, this is a bad idea. This is bad. Uh, I apologize, Tyler. This is Steve's fault. We're going to see what we can do you. here. Look. I'll hold you. That's what we're dealing with here. That is Minshew mania on screen. I wonder if we could just get, like, a graphics guy to. You'd think, right? That might have been an easier way of doing it. We'll get there. But anyway, we have this Watch T-shirt. button. We have the T-shirt dialed up. We're just trying to sell T-shirts. We yeah. also have stickers, right? You're going to be able to get a whole Minshew face on the front of your laptop. Oh, really? Yeah. I need that. Right. That's what Shannon wanted. No. She's so a, we're, getting, we're getting Minshew stickers instead of, we, instead of PFF. Our Shannon, not Shannon Sharp. Right. Shannon Sharp probably doesn't want one of these. Um, instead of the PFF here, you're going to have a whole Minshew face up there. So anyway, the point is, he needs to play well this week. Otherwise, that's all for nothing. Yeah, so Minshew, Minshew Mania uh, at Denver, never an easy place to play. True. Uh, Denver, in their pass rush, man, what is going on? 59.1 team pass rush grade. And it's only fourth worst in the NFL, <laughs> believe it or not. Right, but they have Von Miller. And they don't have a sack. Yeah. Von that- Miller still has eight hurries, has not knocked down the quarterback. Bradley Chubb has four hurries. This is one of those we said, told you Bradley Chubb's sacks were fake. Ha, 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 He has zero. But Vaughn Miller, who grades well every year, also has zero. So Yeah, it's not ideal. So not no ha, ha, ha. Um, this has been the worst start. I mean, this is the worst stretch of Miller's career. We've, had, we've seen more of This is good, though, right? Stretches, because right? This, is, this is playing in to the Minshew mania narrative. Because if Denver can't get pass rush, then Minshew's got some time in the pocket, survey the field, dial it up, and boom, hit you. Hits you deep down the field. People were complaining about volume. That was that's going to hurt them. Yeah. Loud enough. Um, uh, he's so, grading well though, like legitimately. So it's kind of a funny story, right? Because the guy's like a walking meme, but he's actually playing well and really well. He has some things to his game that make you think there's a legitimate shot of this guy becoming a long-term starting quarterback. The physical limitations that saw him drop to the sixth round are still there, but we've at least seen his ability to mitigate that stuff, right? It's not like these are new to him. It's kind of like the Baker or the Kyler Murray height thing. This didn't happen yesterday. He's been playing this way the whole time, right? right? He knows he doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. He knows he doesn't have Lamar Jackson's scrambling ability or running ability. Like, none of this is new to him. He understands how to play with his own physical limitations. And he's very good at putting the ball in the right spot for players to make a play, like DJ Chark, to adjust to it, make a catch, hit it in the right spot, I, I like what he's done so far, and I'm, I'm actually I'm genuinely hoping it continues because it's a fun story. And yeah, definitely one of the more accurate quarterbacks coming out last year in the draft. Right now, he is right above Tom Brady as our number one graded quarterback on 10-plus yard throws. Gardner Minshew, number one. Small sample size, everything. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about, we talk about arm, like Josh Allen has one of the worst grades 
on 20-plus yard throws, has a cannon. Minshew is chucking it downfield with incredible timing and accuracy, so he's number one on 10-plus yard throws. What are the people saying? Anything interesting? Um, somebody is saying a lot of very silly things. Uh, do we need to kick him out? <laughs> when do we grade players on what ifs? What ifs and buts, Steve? When do we start doing it? We don't do that at all. We grade on what they did. That's yeah. the answer. It's not. Yeah, right. It's not like if a guy fumbles, we grade that he fumbled. You can you can phrase these things as what ifs if you like, right? But it's a silly way of looking at it. A quarterback throws the ball to a defender. The what if isn't what if he caught it? Like it's he threw it to a defender. That's what happened. We grade what he did. He threw it to a defender. You can't act like that didn't happen because the defender dropped it and it doesn't count as an interception. Therefore, like the whole point of this is trying to evaluate A, how well a guy played, and B, how well he's likely to play going forward. If you just ignore all of the non-interceptions he threw because defenders didn't count them, because they don't show up on the box score, what are you expecting to learn out of that? And, and if You won't see things like the uh, Case Keenum game coming because all you look at is five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Therefore, he's playing great. We're going right. to roll. We're going to roll into Chicago. Case Keenum's going to play a game manager role, and we'll beat the Bears. Because he or, hasn't thrown a pick. Right. Or you could look at the fact that he's thrown three turnover-worthy plays in two games and say he's going up against an opportunistic defense. That's probably not going to happen again. So there you go. We do not grade what ifs. We grade what happened, whether or not the result of the play accurately reflected that. That's why we do it. And it's essentially, not what ifs. And over time... As I like to say, the data has been proven to be descriptive and predictive. You do like to say Sam, that. I do like that. Dallas Cowboys, we're all taking, uh, what are we taking here? Uh, we're all taking, I'm taking Denver. You and I are taking Denver. Damn it. It's that, it's that Denver home field advantage we're believing in. Look, they've played some, you know, they've been at least in games. If if Minshew pulls it off, though, I'm definitely buying a t-shirt and stickers. If Minshew wins, oh, you're going to, okay. I haven't bought one yet. Not not through any, just through lack of All right, so if Minshew wins, essentially. Can we get some other pro- – if Minshew wins, can we get some other promises in the YouTube comments? If Minshew wins, you guys are going to buy a shirt. And, t- and stickers. And stickers. You need the Minshew the PFF store. The Where do they get it? PFF store. Shop.pff.com. All right. Two more games to get through. Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. This is where we get to hear Al Michaels say New Orleans. Mm. So New Orleans. Sunday I like Night that. Football. I like that. I, I think like- that's – I mean, I think that's how you should say it. Instead that's how it's probably just getting lazy and going New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. Yeah, nah. that's how they do it down there. Um, so the Saints are probably going to need to score points this week. Because Listen, Dallas is good. They scored thirty points in Teddy Bridgewater's start. Sort of. Well, I'm mean, not sort of. They did. It's just it wasn't all the offense, right? It was literally a fumble return, a punt return, and two screens. Yeah. Uh huh. And a field goal. Yeah. Right. So. Dallas is good right now. They're cooking on gas. Kellen Moore is like the MVP. Um, and they're probably going to put some points up. Kellen Moore's the MVP. <laughs> and, uh, I like it. So the Saints are going to actually have to match that, right? They're, not gonna, uh, they're unlikely to get the same return from the other two areas of the game. So right. the offense is going to need to show some spark with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. He is, he's a great story in that you know, the guy, is, it looked like his career was done we didn't even know they were going to have to lose his leg at one point in that injury saga. Um, the talk was the Minnesota Vikings doctors literally prevented him from losing his leg by the immediate medical attention they gave him. So for him to even be back on a field starting games is incredible. It's an amazing story, and it's great for him. 
Um, but you, you can't let that disguise the fact that he is a different player from the one he used to be, and it's, he hasn't gotten better, let's just say. Right. So they're now dealing with a quarterback that has some pretty significant limitations, at least mentally, if not physically, um, and they need to scheme things up now because either, one of two things needs to change, or one of three things, I guess. Either he needs to get over that mental barrier and be able to push the ball deeper down the field and make some of those big-time throws, or they need to scheme enough so that it doesn't matter if he doesn't do that, or door number three, it's Taysom Hill time. One of those three things needs to happen. Wow. Taysom Hill time. Do you think they'll mix him in even more this week? It was like four snaps last week. It would be difficult to do less, so probably. Yeah, so a little bit more Taysom Hill. I'm obvi- I'm really interested in the other side of the ball. I think the Saints have some talent on the defensive side. You have a guy like Marshawn Lattimore. I, I think we just we know he's a really good corner, but he's getting beaten a lot more this year than he has in his first two years. Even last year when he took a step back. I mean, he's he's given up 74% of completions into his coverage, 341 yards, 17 yards a pop. So does he start to turn it around a little bit? Will he start? To, will he see a little bit of Amari Cooper? So Kellen Moore. You joked that he was the MVP, or you were serious. Tons of credit for Dallas. And then you look at it and say, okay, they've played the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Redskins. They only So coach of the year it always goes to like the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. Kellen Moore, I think, legitimately should maybe win coach of the year. Like, do you remember a few years ago? I'm, I'm, say, I'm asking you, are we too early here? They've played well, I, uh, so, some of the worst yes. defenses in the league right now. The assumption is... Should things continue? Like, obviously, calling sure. coach of the year after three weeks is a little bit premature. Um, but the idea being that if this continues all the way through the year and they look this good through the duration, it's it's almost all 100% because of the changes that Kellen Moore has made to that offense. It's maximizing Dak's play. But it's like, what's the root cause of all this, right? This is, this is the thing that's driving all of this. Dak is the guy getting the credit and the guy actually, you know, turning the wheels or whatever. But... The engine behind it all is Kellen Moore's system. They've played three out of the seven worst coverage teams so far in the NFL. Now, listen. And again, how they're much They're influencing that, is, that. Right. Right? They're influencing that. But I do think by the end of the year, we're going to say, yeah, the Giants, not a great coverage unit. The Redskins mm-hmm. haven't been great, especially you know historically bad on third down. So this is the big test. Kellen Moore in this offense, tons of credit for what they're doing. Dak is our number two graded quarterback right now. And they've got the schemed up. You know, he's a top five play caller. Kellen Moore, yeah. he's right up there with Andy Reid. So this would be a great matchup. It's not quite an individual matchup like your uh, Miles Garrett versus Ronnie Stanley won earlier, but the Saints generate pressure as well, if not better than anybody else. They're like top two in terms of pressure rate, total pressures. Going up against Dallas's offensive line, yeah. that's as good as it's ever been. Right. So that encounter in the trenches should be fun to watch. And don't forget the play. When you're, when you're running 40, 45% play action, that helps your pressure rate. Right, plus... Plus, the Saints are at home, so if you're going to get pressure, that's the better place to be doing it. So sure. that, that should be a really fun matchup. Yeah, I think it'll be a great game. Um, I, I want it's there's a lot on Teddy's plate. I think he's got he can't be just a game manager. He's got a just game manager. He's got to make some plays down the field here. They need to they need to keep giving him those those you know g up uh, motivational speeches during the week. Teddy, Teddy, love what you're doing. It's, dude, it's going great. Look, you're hitting the right guy. You're identifying him. Just. Fire it deep every now and again. You, you can do it. Just Come chuck on. it. Yeah. Just chuck it. It doesn't have a big time. But you're doing yet. great, Teddy. Go ahead. All right, let's wrap it up with Monday Night Football. Our hometown Cincinnati Bengals at 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. Monday Night Football's having a rough run of it of late. Dolphins Steelers coming up in a few weeks. God, is it? Yeah. Number one versus the number two overall pick. Oh, no? man. The Steelers too might soon? be sad. No, it's too early. Okay. For the Steelers. Can the Bengals bounce back? Can uh, Mason Rudolph bounce back? Can Mason Rudolph bounce back? There's some intriguing storylines here. Minka Fitzpatrick, can he get through a game without missing a tackle? Again, I don't think missing a tackle does justice for what that was. I'm just saying. Got just, hip tossed. That's what the stat is. Like a, like a dummy. Well, that's what I'm looking for in this game. You ever see that, like, jujitsu dummy that people train with? And that its literal purpose is just to be tossed around on the floor like a big sack of weight? That's Minka Fitzpatrick. That was Minka Fitzpatrick trying to tackle Kyle Juszczyk. Yikes. This literal MMA dummy where he just got grabbed and <laughs> flung to the side. You're still metaphor champion. Thank you. That's what that was. It's not really a metaphor, but is it? Just a comparison. Uh, isn't that what a metaphor is? Yeah, it's any kind of comparison, right? Yeah, sure. Essentially. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have the number four pass rush grade as a unit. And, you know, the Bengals don't pass block all that well. They've been protected a little bit by the play action game, so the grade's not as bad. But and it's the like speed with which Andy Dalton And Dalton's release for the most. Yeah, so it's, it's more so those must-pass block situations the The must the must you know when you know they're passing is what i'm trying to say that's the limitation of that that you just you can only protect the o-line right for so long to a certain degree and uh, we talk to coaches about this all time because we're like hey you know you don't need a great offensive line run play action get rid of the ball quickly and then i always use the caveat when i'm like talking to coaches i'll be like but you know there are some third and eights that you have to execute every now and again and it's not a great position to be in if you don't have An O-line. I think that's where Cincinnati is. TJ right Watt, now. 12 total pressures through three weeks, even though he only has the one sack. He's been playing pretty well. Very well, in fact. How many cleanup sacks does Bud Dupree have at this point? Oh, probably too many. Probably too many. Uh, who are we taking? It's amazing. He's still playing, by the way. Stop. Stop. Seriously. Like, why? What, you can't do better than Bud Dupree? Seriously? I mean, how hard can that be? How hard can it be winning the uh, AFC South? Hashtag, how hard can it be? So, I think... Where are we going with this one? Uh, Pittsburgh. Everybody's taking Pittsburgh. Yeah. No love for our Bengals. No. The end. No. No love. No love for the Bengals. Ouch. The Bengals have burned us in the past. We are we are snake bitten. We want to see them do it before we we believe again. On the road, Heinz Field. My yeah. heart is too vulnerable to to expose itself to this kind of hurt again. I'm going to need to see some. I'm going to need to see something back. I'm going to need to see, I'm going to need to see some love from the Bengals before I'm prepared to give them love back. How's that? That's fair. Thank you. So chances are one of these teams is going to come away with their first win. 0-3 Bengals, 0-3 Steelers. Imagine if they didn't. 0-3-1s? <laughs> Did they tie a couple years ago? Was it Bengals? I know the Steelers... Tied the Browns. I last try year. and like fade all ties out of my memory. It's just too depressing. To Me too. Relive. You know what drives me nuts is when we make our pick. Our picks have ties in there, right? Right. Now. So we all have to be dash one for the rest of the like, year. Obviously, we all picked a winner in that game, and we all got the tie. Like, can we just get rid of that? Though a friend of mine pointed out to me that technically that's a, that's a loss, right? Because we picked it wrong. Yeah, true. So we should just add a loss. I'm going to change this one to a tie. We should should just add one to the loss column for everybody because we didn't get it right. It's hurting our percentages. Yeah. But that's that's the reality there. I love how everybody's like, the undefeated Detroit Lions, like they're not the same as the teams that are 3-0. with the Cardinals. That should count as a loss. Their winning percentage is still 667. That's how many games they've won. Yeah. 
That should count as a loss, tying with the Cardinals. But they're undefeated. Tying with the lipstick-covered pig. That's what you did there. You guys love ties, though, and... Uh... We don't love them. overseas. Just saying that, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna tie the game, why play a whole extra quarter of the game? Because we don't see a tie as a viable outcome. We believe in winners here. Well, then don't tie. Find a way to break it. Don't don't play a whole another quarter of the game and then say, you know what, that didn't do it. Oh well, tie. What? What just happened? You just gave me 15 more minutes of bad football, and now it's it's the same result it would have been anyway. You're literally the only person in the world that doesn't enjoy overtime football. It's usually two bad teams. No, it's not. The last tie was the Lions against the Cardinals. The, what do you mean? The tie? No, overtime. Like the, la- the AFC and NFC Championship went to overtime last it year. It was 1987 against the lipstick-covered pig. And we had to watch 15 more minutes Just of it. Stop. We're out. Week four. Oh, that's your preview. You think we're out? You ready for the we're surprise? Do- oh, we up. I don't think I am. Excellent. Tyler's ready, whether you are or not. What is happening? Anyway, we're out of here. We'll be back. When are we back? Monday? Yeah, we'll be back Monday. Back Monday. With a week four review. Yes. What is the surprise? I don't know. He's supposed to be pushing buttons. Where are you, Tyler? Hit it. Yes. Yeah. See? We have it on the outro. This is the real version. Somebody's going to sing. It isn't me. Oh, nice. There you go. Hey, see? That's what you're supposed to be doing. This guy's better than me. Way better. See you Monday. City Hall in New York. Was a wonderful craft. She was rigged for the top. And know how the wild winds over. She stood several blasts. She had 27 masts. And they called her the Irish Rover. Million bikes of the best lawyer rights. We had two million barrels of gold. We had three million barrels of all nanny yourselves. We had four million barrels of stone. We had five million dogs, six million hearts, seven million barrels of birds. We had eight million hearts of all blind horses' hearts. And all that the Irish Rover. Who played hard on his flute when the ladies lined up for a set? He would tootle with skill for each sparkling quadrille till the dancers were flutered and bet. When he smart, when he talked, he was cock on the walk, and he rolled the day under a dover. They all knew at a glance when he took up his stance, and he sailed in the Irish Rover. And a pity of her who will melt all his troubles away. 
All the boys in the road Filling poutine and stout For him soon and done and over Of the love of a maid He's never afraid But a son from the Irish Rover With your sail, Chevalier For the razors broke out And he should bless this way And the fog And a whale of a crew Was just down a two We set up and our captain's on the side Ship struck a rock, oh Lord, what a shock. Something's hurt right over. Curtain nine times around, and the poor old dog was drowned. quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.